I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, weirdos. I'm Sarah Pascoe. And I'm Carrie Lloyd. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first ever bonus episode we had so much fun and book chat at our live app that we couldn't fit it all into the regular show so we've got an extra chapter for you to enjoy sarah's book weirdo is already out now so go go and get it and you can enjoy reading it and listening to this bonus episode in this episode there'll be a quiz to find out which character from the book weirdo you are and some exclusive reading from the book and general weirdo book club joy thank you You for for reading with us we like reading with you Ariad and I met doing an English degree at the University of Sussex. No one from Sussex. Over 20 years ago. Oh my God. And now finally, all of the strands of our lives have come together and we get to read books every week and talk about books. Yeah, because that's what we do in private. And the the Alumni Society of Sussex has retweeted us. (laughs) Because they're really proud. Doing well. Basically, this is what we do in private is we sit and talk about books in 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 depth and finish each other's sentences and really get into it and then we thought well maybe other people want to hear this and they do this is very nice so thank you so much for coming making us feel less weirdos yeah that's very nice thank you so tonight's book guest is um my book embarrassingly and and, um, character in weirdo thinks that she's weird and it was a big reason we called this the weirdo's book club now character herself Sophie was inspired by a character called Sophie from Sophie's World by Justine Garda which had a huge impact on me when I was a teenager and one of the things that really resonated with me was that there was the idea of seeing your life like a story so my starting point was a woman who makes her life more bearable kind of by narrative narrativizing yeah that word narrativizing making it into sometimes she's pretending she's in a film sometimes she's pretending she's in a soap opera but she's always making it a story because it seems more bearable and also despite not being a voracious reader characters in literature do make her feel a bit better about herself whether that's Alice in Wonderland sort of being curious about who she meets or she's a bit obsessed with um, Camus the Stranger and like not crying at your mother's funeral and those kind of things and also Matilda because she'd really like to be able to move stuff with her eyes so um, that was the starting point for coming at books that make us all feel better about our own idiosyncrasies so rather than it just being an author reading from a book or being interviewed by someone which is what tends to happen at book events and I find it 
uh, excruciating. Uh, uh, really, really <laughs> boring for, for everyone. So we're going to do um, an interview where I've picked my own questions and Cara just has to ask them to me. Um, no control issues here, guys. And then, um, just written them out for a, a me. reading where my friend is going to read it and I'm going to heckle her. Um, and there's a quiz for you to find out which character in the book you're most like. So it's more interactive. Okay, so um, welcome to the Sarah Pascoe interview show. Uh, the questions were provided very kindly by our sponsor, Sarah Pascoe. Uh, and we're delighted that the person going to be answering them today is Sarah Pascoe. Please give her a round of applause. Sarah Pascoe, thank you for coming on to Sarah Pascoe and welcome for writing the book, Sarah Pascoe Weirdo. I'm just going to start by saying I love the book, really enjoyed it. None of this is on the not cards. Not the card, not yeah. the card. <laughs> Sorry, should I just card it? Okay. Number one, is writing book like having a baby? Is writing book? <laughs> well, writing a book is putting words uh, into a story, into your computer. Yeah. Um, Are you explaining it for me? <laughs> for everyone. Okay. Uh, having a baby is, uh, well, your uterus stretches, <laughs> your skeleton disintegrates, you waddle, then you erupt somehow, either genitally or someone cuts your abdomen. Then you have no life for months and months, but you will have a lot of hormones that make you hate yourself. But that's still not as painful as writing a book. <laughs> Agreed. Question number two. Now it feels a bit mastermind you. <laughs> what made you want to write a book? Arrogance. Um, firstly, also, yep. I was inspired by the richest man I know, Richard Osman. <laughs> uh, very, very successful writer, and he has so much money. He's actually not even that tall. He is tall. He, no, his He's... trousers are just full of rolled up 50 pound notes. <laughs> That's a lot of money. He's, he puts his legs up here. Yeah, because he's six foot seven. The belt. Yeah. So that must but be... Seven foot of it. No, seven, <laughs> seven, 17 inches of it. It's 50, 50 pound, pound notes. notes rolled up to wow. look like legs. <laughs> Number three, what is your writing routine like? So Virginia Woolf famously said that uh, all women, they, if they wanted to write, should have a, a, room of one, a room of one's own. She said that's what you needed, a little bit of space. But Virginia Woolf lived in the olden days when you could get a house in London for a pound. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, novelists could live in Bloomsbury. So having, you know, rooms no. to yourself was realistic then, which it isn't now. I didn't have a room. I had um, a local Costa coffee. Or um, I taught myself to write in cars on my computer. I don't drive um, in the back, but I, I taught myself to stop feeling sick so that I could type when I was in cars, because that was usually when How I did you teach yourself not to feel sick? Oh, you feel sick, <laughs> right. and, and then you go, push on through, or your book won't get done. So, and um, the third edit of this book, I, um, I pre presented a show called Sewing Bee, and what happens on Sewing Bee is that um, they start off with like 45 sewers, and um, each one of them, every time they make something, which is a lot, the judges go forward and they go, ooh, and they look at it in great detail for 10 or 15 minutes, and all I have to say in between is, next up's Tony. And in between, I had my computer out of shot, and I was doing my book, finishing so my book. You, your tip would be, get a driver and become the host of Sewing Bee. <laughs> I just want to be accessible. <laughs> <laughs> It could, it could be any any, any DIY driver. show, DIY show, <laughs> any reality show. Yeah, yeah. Number four. Why 
write this book? I meant to write a different book. Oh, yes, you did, um, didn't you? I, did, I meant to write a murder book like Richard Osman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the one that came out. Uh, Richard Osman, by coincidence, perhaps because he's jealous of me, is releasing his new book on the exact same day as mine next week. <laughs> and if more people don't buy my book than his more fictional OAPs will die. Because <laughs> he'll just carry on making them up and then killing them. Thank you. It was a really, it was a really good Thank interview. Thank you. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's do some Let's do some readings. Please, would you welcome to the stage the wonderful, brilliant friend who's going to help us with the readings tonight. She is an actor, comedian, a mime artist, and a genius. It's Vanessa Havoc, everybody. (laughs) So Sarah is going to interject as if it's a DVD, but it's a book, but she wanted to give context to what we're reading. But now I'm getting ready to go and see Chris again. Chris, uh, the character, is someone that Sophie used to be a little bit obsessed with when they worked together, and then she might have followed him to Australia and um, embarrassed herself. I've come to the customer toilets to put makeup on, even though we're not allowed in here. I've been granted a second chance, another chapter, a different ending. Or beginning? No, ending, ending, ending. Make it all better. I only have mascara and blusher with me, but I do what I can. A bit of blush for eyeshadow and on my lips. Smudge mascara like eyeliner on my bottom lashes to accentuate that I've got eyes. I'm considering going for a wee, but I don't want to disturb the equilibrium down there. The Sambuca has taken the edge off. I think the problem with hemorrhoids... Okay, so um, I said the inspiration for this book was... um, Sophie's Well by Justine Garder. It was also that I was kept reading books and none of the characters had hemorrhoids. And um, hemorrhoids are actually really, really common. And if you have them, they need to be in the story because they affect your life, they affect a lot of your thoughts. Um, I did toy with the idea of telling the whole story from Sophie's bum's point of view, um, but my agent didn't like it. And she thought, she thought people would stop reading quite early on if I was too much about the hemorrhoids. So now it's barely in there at all. I think the problem with hemorrhoids is that they're too much of a reminder of what I am. A skeleton with meat on it. A gristly tube. A winding, meaty tube from mouth to bumhole. Inside, we're all basically a worm. And that's why it's so hard to be confident or feel pretty. I hope it is hemorrhoids and not itchy cancer because I'm too humiliated to go to the doctor. Just a quick interjection. If this does sound like you, please go to the doctor. Um, yes, it might be awful, but 
it's better than worrying all the time that you've got colon cancer. Nadia What comes... I'm really looking forward to is some d DMs in about two months, people saying I saved their life. <laughs> okay. Like That's an angel. Yeah, yeah. Come on, carry on. Nadia comes in and says, these ones are for customers only? But in a nice way, like she's acknowledging how silly the rules are and that sometimes even staff deserve a toilet with mirrors and a hand dryer. Nadia glances over at the open cubicles but doesn't go in, probably because she doesn't want me to hear her piss. She's standing by the sink right next to me and I'm embarrassed to look in the mirror in case it seems like I love myself. I was planning to take my hair down and fluff it around a bit, but I don't want to look like I reckon I'm in a hair advert or something. I want to leave, but I don't know how, so we're both trapped. I uh, root through my bag as if I'm searching for something, find some broken headphones and put them in my coat pocket. Thanks for drinking my drink for me. Did I not thank her enough? Why bring it up again? I tell her, cheers very much, and that I'm going out, so it's much appreciated. Then I ask if she's got any chewing gum, because we're both still in here and I don't have anything else to say. Nadia shakes her head, no. I can't drink at the moment. I take my hair out of my ponytail. I didn't decide to. My hands did it of their own accord while I was thinking, one of us needs to leave or we'll both be trapped in the toilets forever. I've noticed this happening more and more ever since Ian told me there is no free will. I argued with him, of course. I said there definitely is free will. People decide stuff every day and have opinions and make choices between things. Ian's highly intelligent, which used to be attractive. He smirked as I was getting worked up and said that they know, the scientists, from watching on machines, that the brain gives instructions to do things first and then thinks up the reason why afterwards. They watched which parts of the brain were lighting up and the first stage was like the muscles and physical instructions for something, e.g. moves arm. Then the second stage was the explanation. You moved arm because you are itchy and need a scratch or because you were dancing or whatever. It's do first, make a reason afterwards. I don't agree with this, by the way, but Ian says no one is really making their own decisions. We just think we are. That really, it's bacteria. They live inside us in every nook and cranny and all our lives are for them and what they need and want. And now my hair is hanging down limply in a ponytail shape, so I hope they're happy. So um, just quickly about bacteria. Um, so this is not a science book. Uh, <laughs> so the character can only know what she knows, which is via her boyfriend, Ian. But just some little facts for the rest of you. The human body is made of roughly 30 trillion human cells, but your microbiome is 39 trillion cells, which means that you've got a quarter more in you of bacteria, viruses, and fungi. We have 20 to 25,000 genes in each of our human cells, but the human microbiome holds about 500 times more. So all of the time you've been thinking that you're a person, um, that's a conspiracy. <laughs> you're mostly an ecosystem for bacteria. <laughs> and is it really that much of a jump so that they're controlling you? Because, you know, you're their home. Imagine, this is what I think, they make you fancy people because they want you to make other people for them to live in, which is why when you fancy people, you act crazy. Also, three-quarters of your microbiome is probably from your mum's vagina from when you are born, if you were born in that way. But I wrote that in pencil because I didn't know if I was going to say it or not. <laughs> you can't tell anyone. I look at Nadia, but not in real life, in the mirror. Like how hairdressers talk to your reflection and you talk to theirs. I think this makes it easier for them to criticise people's faces. 
I got pregnant. Oh, congratulations. No, it's shit. It's so shit. I feel sick. I tell Nadia how sorry I am, and I am so sorry, but I also want to run away and take big gulps of air and maybe even leap while crossing the road or waiting at the traffic lights because I am so glad I'm not her. She says she has to wait three weeks till she can get the operation on the NHS and all she can eat is crisps because she's so nauseous. But the worst thing is the not drinking. It occurs to me that if there really wasn't any free will, then biographies would all just say they went over there because bacteria made them. They did this and that because of bacteria. And no one would read them. I must remember to say this to Ian later. Nadia is looking at herself in the mirror now, into her own eyes, all miserable. I wonder if she is thinking, so this is what I look like when I'm pregnant and wish I could have a Pinot Grigio. She's very pretty with her shiny blonde hair, a little round face and straight white teeth like an albino piano. She looks like a baby herself, a sexy grown-up one. I want to ask who got her pregnant, but that feels rude. It's like asking, who put their penis in you? I wonder if it was Kermit and that's why she doesn't want the baby. I accidentally start imagining Kermit and Nadia having sex on the floor by the glass wash with all the steam rolling out above them. Then I remember I'm in a conversation. I pat Nadia on the shoulder and she grips my hand. I explain that she can drink if she wants, that it doesn't matter, but she interrupts. You're not allowed when you're pregnant. But that's only if you're keeping it. Nadia doesn't believe me. She's being super dumb. She's absorbed this piece of information and cannot let it go. All the propaganda about women not drinking in pregnancy has gone too far. This is ridiculous. Nadia can't compute that you don't need to preserve the health of a baby who will never exist. I fluff my hair a bit now, meet my own eye in the mirror, and a zap of nerves hits my belly. I'm going to see Chris. I carry on the conversation because I know what I'm going to do with it. So what she does is she goes across the road to meet Chris and his friends, Ella and Steve, and she tells them straight away this secret she's been told not to tell anyone about her work colleague being pregnant. And, um, and we find them a few moments later in a pub across the road. I've never been here on a Friday night before. I've walked past after work and looked through the window. Some people find being alive effortless. That's what I think. Especially people viewed through windows, eating meals or drinking drinks, or even watching TV if you're looking into a house. They don't mean to make you feel like an outsider. You just do. Because you're outside. Um, okay, I'm just going to interject quickly. When I wrote this down yesterday, I thought this was incredibly wise. I now don't know if it makes any sense. <laughs> Sometimes we think other people make us feel bad about ourselves, but actually we're making ourselves feel bad because of the horrible things we say to ourselves and the assumptions we make about other people and that they're happier and not doing that. I think that is too long for a T-shirt. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but tonight, I'm an inside person. I try to look out the window, but it's too dark. I can only see inside reflected. I see me leaning on a pillar holding a wine glass. I can see the back of Chris and Ella and Steve's grinning face between their shoulders. I wish I could walk past and envy me. I look down at my feet and my flat, sensible work shoes. A wave of shame wriggles through my guts. Then I see my right foot is tapping to the music, which doesn't make sense. I hate Christmas songs. I, um... I've never had an opportunity to brag about this before, but um, over 10 years ago, when Nevermind the Buzzcocks used to be on the BBC rather than Sky, I did a Christmas episode of it, and um, 
in the Guess the Music round, I got all of my team's three Christmas songs and then all three of the other team's Christmas songs. It was like the weirdest superpower and I've never been able to use it ever again. What a traitor my right foot is. Christmas is a lie and the catchy songs are propaganda. Yes, we promise life is magical and cold weather is magical and you are treasured and reindeer fly. My parents did the decent thing and refused to gaslight me. At school, they told us about Jesus and Father Christmas, and we came home and mum and dad said, no, absolutely not, that's all bullshit. I wonder if society would execute a woman who said she hated Christmas. Um, So I'm just going to interject. I am not the character Sophie. It's not about me, but there are some similarities between us accidentally. Um, My dad did refuse to lie to us about Christmas because he thought that lying to children made them grow up adults who weren't trusting. So when we came home and told him the Christmas story, he told us that Mary had had underage sex and she would have been stoned to death under the rules of her land. So instead, she'd pretended her baby was magic. Steve is staring at me. I'm Jewish, he says, like it's an explanation. Was I talking out loud? I'm surprised he could hear me over the rocking around the deck tools. The only good thing about seasonal music is that it's so loud we have to shout, which makes what we're saying seem really important, like it's triple underlined. Chris and Ella are shouting about their job. It's at the golf club. I've never been there, and Ella shouts, Oh, you should come down sometime! I imagine myself turning up with all the kit and checked pantaloons like a lonely businessman. They laugh when I laugh. Ella isn't with Chris, by the way. I didn't ask, but twice she's mentioned her fiancé, so she must have a fiancé. Steve I know nothing about except that he has a goatee, he's Jewish, and he's not particularly good at conversation. He stares for ages and shouts a question like, Do you like dogs? Or, What are you all laughing about? I am going slowly on the wine, pacing myself because I don't want to say anything stupid and I don't want to need the loo in case they leave without me. Also, I can't afford another one because I don't get paid until New Year's Eve. I know I should text Ian, but I worry if I get my phone out, he'll have already texted saying, where are you or do you want pasta? And then I'll have to deal with that and feel bad. It's only 12-ish. We could have had a police incident at the pub and had to give statements. I do like dogs, I shout at Steve. Keeping it simple. But it's more complicated than that. I have a long history of dogs, and it's love, not like. Or not love, but deep, deep guilt. I don't know how much to tell them. I can't say the full story, as I know how Ella and Chris will look at me like, whoa, this woman is fucked up. Then they'll always remember and make fun of me down the golf club whenever a dog comes in. I think about a dog in checked pantaloons for a second, and then change the conversation, keeping it light. I used to think my mum could see me through the cat. Steve smiles while Chris and Ella laugh again, and I'm encouraged. I know this is a funny story, so that's all right. This is fine. Chris laughing is magnificent. He throws his head back like a pony, and his nostrils tremble, and it feels like we're friends who exist, and everything embarrassing is undone. I must have imagined how awkward it was in Australia. I have been carrying that cringe around in my stomach for three years. I make myself remember it now, and nothing happens. I don't shudder and want to die, because Chris is here, right here. His face flushed and crinkled as he listens to my story. We had a cat called Sooty, and whenever he was with me, I would behave and not steal or light fires, because I thought he was a robot with cameras in his eyes that my mum was using to spy on me. 
Ellis says she's worried about where this story is going. You didn't cut your cat open, did you? <laughs> I laughed to reassure her. No, no, it's funny because Sooty was always looking at me when I was on the toilet or getting changed. Why would my mum want to see those things? Chris says something to Ella, but I can't hear because he's forgotten to shout. And then I noticed Abbas in my class had exactly the same eyes as Sooty. Chris thinks he's guessed what's going on. Abbas was a robot too? I tell him he's wrong. Then Ella's worrying again. You didn't cut Abbas open, did you? No, I just got changed in the bathroom and didn't let City come in, so Abbas couldn't perv on me. I knew the story was funny, but not this funny. It's because I've taken out the sad bits, like when my mum stroked City and said if she'd known cats were so affectionate, she never would have had us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for reading it. Thank you so much. I'm aware that you won't have read the book. Yes. This is a little way for you to like have an insight into the book. So it's like one of those BuzzFeed quizzes, like which character are you? It's going to like, you know, mostly A's, mostly B's. So just keep a tab of what you've got and um, it'll tell you which of the characters might most resonate with you in the novel. Okay, so um, favourite food. And you have to choose one of these. You can't say none. Your favourite food. Is it A, Diet Coke? <laughs> is it B, Corn Sausages? Oh, oh, real violent reaction to corn is sausages. Is it C, spaghetti hoops? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is it D, champagne? Yeah. Oh, you peaked too early with spaghetti yeah. hoops, didn't you? There we go. Okay. You have a secret fear. Is it A, your mum is watching you at all times? B, you are dressed head to toe in clothes from Debenhams? <laughs> C, the Women's Equality Party win a general election. So your fear, not your hope, your fear. <laughs> D, you are forced to pay the child support you owe. Your favourite character from literature is A, Matilda. She's accomplished so much despite being from a shit family. <laughs> B, Maya Angelou. Everyone in the book club thinks she's amazing and now you do too. Also Moonface from The Magic Faraway Tree. Is it C, Hannibal Lecter, or D, Braveheart? It was a book as well, actually, after the film. You like it when A, you get a free drink after work, B, your fiancé gets you a present, C, your Reddit posts get lots of traction, or D, you sell a car. For your choice. I bet it is a massive dopamine hit. Oh, it, yeah. God, send me a car. Cars are massive and people, like, use them all the time. You relax by, A, imagining a relative dies and leaves you enough money to pay off your debts. <laughs> B, by getting a couple's massage with your fiancé. You like it when they scratch your head and he likes it when there's a two-for-one voucher. <laughs> C, you relax by listening to some jazz while cooking. Or D, going on the sunbed, although you're trying to cut down since the skin cancer. Your biggest turn-on is A... This is sexy. All of turn-ons, I mean, not this particularly. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't. Spaghetti, no. A, someone fancying you. B, getting married. C, someone being in awe of your penis. Not, not faking it, because they think you need to hear it, but genuine awe. D, selling a car. Your 10-year plan involves... A, slipping over at work and using the payout to have plastic surgery. 
B, happily married life, a promotion at work, or maybe getting headhunted by a cooler shop like TK Maxx. <laughs> Giving up smoking, but right at the end of the 10 years. Is it C, your 10-year plan involves the end of capitalism, or D, winning the lottery and retiring, or just be dead? The TV character you most identify with is A, Sharon from EastEnders. B, killing Eve, but without the killing, just the clothes and shiny hair. (laughs) C, you don't have a TV, it rots the brain, you only watch Game of Thrones on your iPad. (laughs) Or D, Del Boy. If a genie granted you one wish, you would A, be rich. B, have boobs that were 36D or double D, whatever looked nicer. C, have a podcast. Or D, sell every Merc on the forecourt. You often forget to A, text when you're out. B, wash off fake tan. C, tell people you went to Durham Uni. (laughs) D, stay in contact with your kids. Or last one, on the last one now. Your nightmare is A, marrying your current boyfriend. B, not getting Harry Styles tickets. C, someone presuming you're homosexual because you're so sensitive and good at listening. Or D, HMRC catching up with you. Okay, mostly A's. So raise your hand if you're an A, maybe, if you want to. We've got a few A's, yeah. Okay, oh, well, this is fitting because you... Ah, Sophie, the main character of the book. The main character. Main character energy is what you've got. You are not where you want to be right now. (laughs) Working in a pub with a boyfriend you despise. (laughs) And you don't know how you would change anything when you're so stuck and in debt. But you do cry a lot when imagining your own funeral. So you must have something still worth living for. Congratulations, A's. Well done. Well done. Main character energy. Um, mostly B's. Do you want to give me a wave? We've got some, some B's. B's. Nice, oh, nice. We do have some B's, some lovely B's. Okay. Um, you are Dana, Sophie's little sister. You work in Debenhams <laughs> and are engaged to the love of your life. You are full of plans and opinions and you have a general positive outlook. Like, sure, mum's boyfriend already has a wife, but they're so cute together. And okay, you can't afford your wedding, but you'll crowdfund it and everyone will feel more invested because they've literally invested. Congratulations. Do we have any Cs? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Mostly Cs. You are Ian, Sophie's boyfriend. You're an intelligent free thinker who believes feminism has gone too far. You don't watch the news or anything else that tries to brainwash you, and you believe free will is an illusion. Sometimes you worry that you are undermined by your penis. So mostly Ds, yes. Oh, spaghetti hoops. We've got some mostly Ds, we've got some mostly Ds. You are Sophie's dad. (laughs) You believe that children should be independent from their parents, and that's how you grow up into your own man. Australia has a much better quality of life than the UK, and a better class of politician. <laughs> Live fast, die young is your motto, even though you're about to turn 70. Thank you. Congratulations, everybody. Well done, everyone. Thank you for playing. <laughs> 
thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode. Sarah's book Weirdo is available to buy now. This episode was recorded live at 21 Soho and featured myself, Karen Lloyd, Sarah Pascoe, and the very brilliant Vanessa Hammock, who was doing the readings. Thank, thank you, you for reading, reading with us. We, we like reading with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.